whether individuals or employers pick your health coverage, you can still make sense of insurance choices to match up with your lifestyle and current medical situation. Knowing the relationships between various insurance components makes each plan type very digestible. Your well-being should be about thriving instead of surviving. It's about time to empower yourself and navigate our healthcare system with ease. My name is Rishi and this is the show, Friendly Neighborhood Patient. Before we even talk about health insurance plan types, we need proper self-awareness. If we know ourselves and our health tendencies, we'll find a better insurance plan fit. This logic applies both to individual patients picking health plans from online marketplaces and businesses purchasing health plans for their employees' best possible coverage. The major trade-offs for any health plan involve the relationships between deductibles, out-of-pocket limits, provider access, and of course, premiums. In general, the monthly premium you pay for the privilege of coverage falls if you have a high deductible and a small provider network. On the flip side, paying a ginormous premium should give you both comprehensive and vast coverage. Rather than trying to get lost in the sauce with all these complex numbers, it's better to ask yourself some targeted questions first to find the proper balance of payments with your need for care. I'm going to link on my Substack a great article from, of all places, NerdWallet with a full list of insurance considerations and health plan comparisons. But for now, we'll cover the two best questions with the most impact on your choice at this stage in the process. First, ask yourself this. Do you see your primary doctor or specialist frequently? If you do, you should keep in mind whether or not your preferred doctors take your insurance and also if you need to drop significant copays and coinsurance when actually going to the clinic. And the next thing to ask is this. Are your current medications covered under insurance and are they brand name medications? As you may imagine, brand name drugs would of course cost more than a generic, especially in the US. Insurance companies talk about what drugs they do and don't cover on a huge list called a formulary. You can request the current year's formulary from the insurance directly, and you can also check it out at the insurance company's matching website so you can know for sure if your current meds are approved or if alternatives do exist. Once you finish that Q&A with yourself, the next step is knowing the actual plan options. The four most common plans are the PPO, HMO, EPO, and POS. I do fully realize that those are a lot of acronyms, and when I was first learning about them, it was overwhelming for me too. The differences between the plans vary by how wide your provider network is and how your care is coordinated to begin with. Let's just dive right in. The PPO, or Preferred Provider Organization, is where the insurance gives you approved coverage for a specific list of providers and facilities. The people on that list would be considered in-network where you can get healthcare at the lowest negotiated cost possible. Think of the PPO like how Apple designs its product in-house with all the features, but the action of making that product real happens elsewhere. This insurance dictates your coverage but is otherwise hands-off during the moments when you actually get your healthcare done. You're still welcome to see a provider who's not on the PPO's list, but you would definitely have a higher cost for doing so 
usually with increased deductibles and coinsurance. The HMO, or Health Maintenance Organization, on the other hand, is pretty much what happens if an insurer runs the whole supply chain of both medical care and the nitty-gritty financial components of coverage. The Kaiser Permanente system is an example of an HMO and is, I believe, the largest one in the U.S. If you happen to be a Kaiser member, you get access to their doctors, their facilities, and insurance administrators for supposedly a better price. The only major disadvantage is that you cannot see anyone outside of Kaiser or another HMO unless you're having an emergency or unless you really like footing the entire medical bill. You would also need an official referral to see any specialist, like a surgeon or dermatologist, which in some cases can certainly slow down your care. In this system, you need to have a primary care doctor who coordinates all your orders and referrals. Another kind of insurance called the EPO, or Exclusive Provider Organization, works just like a PPO, but you can't see anyone out of network without paying full price. With this plan, your provider network is restricted like an HMO, but you can see a specialist without a referral or extensive oversight from a primary doctor. If we stick with our previous example using Apple as a PPO, we know that the company Apple designs the iPhone in California, makes the phone in China, and you can use it anywhere once you buy the phone. However, if Apple were to be an EPO plan, imagine being able to use the iPhone only in your state or town and nowhere else, and as soon as you leave those boundaries, the phone just magically powers down. The final major plan, called Point of Service or POS, is, to keep things brief, really a hybrid of an HMO and a PPO. My Substack page for this episode, easily found at rishinagala.substack.com, will have a table showing the major pros, cons, and differences between all the plan types I mentioned so far. For now though, let's just pump the brakes for a bit. How can you make apples to apples comparisons even if there are more insurance plan variations than there are probably shades of gray. Believe it or not, it's possible to line up insurance plan options just like your Amazon shopping cart. Not quite as easy, but just as comprehensive. The holy grail document you need to pull this off is the Summary of Benefits and Coverage, which I'm just going to refer to as the SBC for short. The point of the SBC is to show out-of-pocket costs, and especially common medical event scenarios, as well as covered or excluded services all in one place for any given plan. I'll link an example of this in my Substack homepage as well. SBC documents can be found on any insurance marketplace, insurance website, or you could even go to healthcare.gov and check out uh, examples from the federal marketplace. If your employer is giving or sponsoring the insurance, then reaching out to your HR department is more likely than not the best move to get the summary. When you get a chance to lay out each plan's SBC side by side, you can see at a bird's eye view what you need to pay for various items like getting traditional visits, lab draws, complex but routine surgeries, certain therapies, and much, much more. It also doesn't hurt to ask the insurance company directly for policy documents if you need to check the fine print coverage for a specific procedure, drug, lab draw, or something else that the SBC just may not have enough room to comment on. Since we've gone over the most critical items for plan considerations, plan types, and comparing those choices with an SBC, 
we can keep taking steps for learning how other parts of medical care in general fit with your lifestyle and situation. As we've discussed before, your insurance plays a huge role in how much power the primary doctor has over your care. However, there will come times when you need to see a specialist with expertise that an internal medicine or family medicine doctor just can't offer. In the next post, I'll unpack the black box that is getting a specialist referral, so that aspect of care will be less daunting, more productive, and empowering for you. Subscribe and stay tuned to Friendly Neighborhood Patient for more practical healthcare guidance. I'll catch you the next episode.